Hello and welcome to Truth For Today with Terry Fan. And yes, I'm your host, Terry Fan. In a world full of confusion that leads to chaos, the answer for clarity is the absolute truth of God's Word. It has stood the test of time. I hope you'll listen to this message with an open heart and that God would speak to you one-on-one through it. If you're ever in the Florence, Mississippi area, then we would love for you to join us for live worship. Please feel free to reach out to me at terryfant at icloud.com. May the Lord bless you as he draws, shapes, and instructs you. Now, let's listen to today's message. Amen. Can you say with me tonight, I love him so. Amen. How many of you say that you love Jesus so very much? Aren't you thankful that he comes to our rescue? I was thinking back to this morning, had some that returned to the Lord. And what I mean by that is they know that they had been saved, but they had not been walking that for some time. And because of that, the consequences had been great and life had become difficult. And it's just what happens when we drift. And as we talk through that together, uh, we learned that uh, what I shared with them is that our God is not a God who allows returns. You've heard me say this a lot, but he's a God who's constantly searching the horizon for us to come home. Now, let me remind you the story of the prodigal from the scripture. The word prodigal means a wasteful. And so we think sometimes that to be a prodigal, we have to be on drugs or on alcohol. Um, but really, the word means wasteful living. And if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, we can say that there are a lot of times in our life that we're wasteful with the three great resources of God. And if you'll remember what those are with me tonight, one is the Holy Spirit. This is after salvation. Of course, Jesus is the one who made it all possible. But the three great resources for the believer are, remember, it is the Holy Spirit of God, it is the Word of God, and it is the church of God. All three of those for our benefit here to help us walk the journey and to get to know Jesus better and to become more like him. And to know that we have all wasted those three resources at times in our life. Wouldn't you agree with me on that? And aren't you glad that we serve a God who comes to our rescue? And, and I was just, as I was singing that, I, I just kept thinking in my mind, I couldn't do anybody like I've done Jesus and them still want me around. Uh, and I'll turn that on you. you can, there's nobody in your life that you could have done like you've done Jesus, up and down and back and forth, and him still want you around. And yet, here's the truth. He does. He does. I, that's why I said I love him so very much because he first loved me. Now, if you have your Bibles, we're going to continue our time together in the Word in Joshua. All right? And you said, wait a minute, how can we go any further in Joshua? We finished chapter 24. Well, I just felt compelled to the Holy Ghost today to go back to 23 a little bit and touch on a few things in a brief message. Let me get a smile from you. See, I knew I'd get one today. A brief message because I want us to have some special prayer time at the end for Vacation Bible School uh, that one time of the year where we get a special opportunity to minister to families and children and a lot of serving going to go on, a lot little like little ants running around here like you kick the top off of an anthill, a lot of serving, a lot of backs are going to be sore about Wednesday night, and, uh, and patients are going to be, how many of you know that if you, when you're serving with children, your patients will get tested? And so we're going to have some prayer time uh, for a great mighty move of God this week at the end. But first, let's talk about, let's look at some things here in Joshua chapter 23. And the title of our message is Some Very Important Reminders for God's People. That's just simply the title, Some Very Important Reminders for God's People. Now, if you remember this morning, we built the context of chapter 24 by touching a few things that I really, it was hard for me to move on, and so I'm glad I'm getting an opportunity to go back and touch on them a little bit more tonight. But when we move through chapter 23, remember he had gathered together the people, and he's letting them know that he is about to go on vacation? No, that he's about to die. He said, I'm about to go the way of the elders. I'm about to leave. I'm about to die. I'm in my last days. And what he says to them next is, here's some things that I want to remind you of since I have you all together. 
I want to remind you of some things to walk in victory, to stay in that sweet spot of victory, which is close to God. You need to know that. Where is the place of victory? It's an easy, it's an easy answer. It is close to God. It's difficult to maintain because we have a tendency to wander, but it is always true that the place of victory is close to God, okay? So, without further ado, I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet in honor of reading God's Word, and we're going to read the whole doggone chapter. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? What kind of madman would have you read the whole chapter on Sunday night? And uh, I'm that madman, all right? And so, well, we're going to look at and it's 16 whole verses. Look at there. Some of y'all feel better already. And so we're going to dive into that together. Remember the context. Joshua has risen to be the leader of God's people. Uh, they are, uh, they've transversed uh, over the Jordan. They've done some great things uh, in the name of Yahweh, their God. They've suffered some setbacks. They've had some difficulties. They've had all kinds of things to happen. And this is the end of, of Joshua's life. And he's got them together, and he's going to remind them of some things. Okay, y- y- y'all clued into where we are? Yes? You woken up good from your naps? Uh, delayed response, that tells me no. And so here we go, all right, pick up in verse number one. Now it came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel from uh, all of their enemies round about that Joshua was old, advanced in age. And Joshua called for all of Israel and for their elders and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers. And this is what he said to them, I'm old, advanced in age. You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. See, I have divided to you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from the Jordan. Now, that, when he says the nations that remain, these are the areas that have not yet been conquered, okay? Those are still parts of the territory of Canaan land that have people living in there. They've not been conquered as God has told them to do. All right, uh, from, I'm picking up in verse 4, from the Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off as far as the great sea westward. And the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight, so you shall possess their land as the Lord your God promised you. Therefore, be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. And lest you go among these nations... These who remain among you, you shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them, nor bow down to them. But you shall hold fast to the Lord your God, as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations. But as for you, no one has been able to stand against you to this day. Listen to this, verse 10. One man of you shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God is he who fights for you, just as he promise. Therefore, take careful heed to yourselves that they do what? Love the Lord your God. Take heed. Be careful. Be intentional. Love is not a feeling. Love is a decision of the will. Take heed that you love. All right, let me read along. You're the Lord your God. Or else, if indeed you do go back and cling to the remnant of these nations, that, that those that remain among you and make marriages with them, And go into them, and they to you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps to you, and scourges on your sides, and thorns in your eyes. That sounds pleasant. Until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. He's saying I'm about to die. And you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed for all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one word of them has failed. 
Therefore, it shall come to pass that as the good things have come upon you, which the Lord your God promised you, so the same way the Lord will bring upon you all harmful things until he has destroyed you from the good land which the Lord your God has given you. What? Verse 16, I thought God was a great big teddy bear. Verse 16, when you have transgressed the covenant, listen closely, to the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and have gone and served other gods and bowed down to them, then the anger of the Lord will burn hot against you, and you shall perish quickly from the good land which he has given you. Let's pause for a brief word of prayer. Will you bow with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for your word. It nourishes us. It cleanses us. It convicts us. It instructs us. Lord, it cheers us on. It reads us. It's a mirror to our soul. Lord, as we peer into the word tonight, I pray, God, that we would see in this mirror uh, the image that who we really are and the image who we're supposed to be, and that is to look like Jesus. And so, Father, would you do a transforming work in our hearts tonight? Father, would you use me as simply your mouthpiece? As I stand before your people, I bow before you and declare I'm so inadequate for the task. Lord, I'm, I'm just, without, without you, I'm nothing. So tonight, please help me again to deliver the mail uh, to us. And so I ask you to help me preach, but also to help me to receive. Because I, like everyone in this room and those that are out there listening in different places and different times, I need to hear it just as much as any person who will ever put their ears upon what you're about to say. So take now what you've already said, say it to us again, and say it in such a way that your children would hear from their daddy, and the Lord, we'd be transformed by your still small voice. Speak from heaven, we're listening, in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. And as you're doing so, let's rewind back to the beginning. The title of the message, again, is Some Very Important Reminders for God's People. If we're going to stay in that sweet spot of victory, okay, the sweet spot of victory. By the way, how many of you have ever tasted the victory of the Lord? Raise your hand. You've tasted the victory of the Lord. Okay, now let's talk about it in some steps. All right, by a show of hands, how many of you have tasted of the victory of the Lord in the area of salvation over Satan and the power of sin? That Jesus saved you. You've, that's the greatest victory you'll ever experience. Okay, most of us raised our hand, all right? Now, how many of you have experienced experienced the victory of Jesus, apart from salvation, in, uh, in the area of relationships. He's healed some relationships. He's restored some relationships. Raise your hand. If you, okay, that's a victory. All right, how many of you have experienced the victory of God in your finances in some area where you've gotten obedient and God's helped you with your finances? Okay, victory in finances. How many of you have ever been uh, sick in some capacity and it was the Lord himself, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, who healed you? Raise your hand if you've experienced victory in some area of physical sickness in your lifetime. All right, hallelujah. I want you to think about the many ways you and I I have experienced the wonderful victories that God has provided for me and you. And he provided all of that through Jesus, a personal relationship that we now have with him through Jesus Christ, the Son. Who's the we? I don't know. I can only speak for me. But whoever of you out there among us who can say for certain that Jesus is Lord of your life, you know what I'm talking about. We have relationship with God through the Son, divinely empowered by the Holy Ghost, the Trinity of God. And so we want to stay in that sweet spot. And where those victories are found is when we are near to the Lord. So let me ask this question of you. How many of you can say that you have been at one time in your life walking in the victory of God in some area of sin in your life, and then because of some slipping, some drifting, some wandering, uh, that area of sin that you thought you had complete victory over came back to bite you, and you found yourself entangled in that sin again? Raise your hand and hold it up high. I just want to see what percentage of us besides me. All right, most everybody in the room would say that at one point, it's happened again. It's happened again. And so tonight, let's just dig in a little bit and find out how is it that we can avoid that. Do you know that we can't avoid that? We can find ourselves sinning less and less and less until he calls us home. 
So let's dive in and break that down and figure out how the Lord says that we can do it. All right, Roman numeral one in your notes. There are going to be three Roman numerals, and number two and number three have a list of two, all right? We said a brief message, so see? I told you, it's a brief outline, all right? Roman numeral one, write this down. Uh, We need to find out, here's a reminder in verse number three, what Joshua reminded the people is that God has provided victory. So just jot that down. And it's something that you and I need to be reminded. You say, but I already knew that. Yeah, but what happens is when you get the diagnosis, you forget. And, and so God has a victory. Or, or when you've been praying for that old stubborn husband, oh, you've been praying for that rascal, and all he wants to do is go fishing and hunting, and he doesn't want anything to do with the things of God, and all you want is a man who loves God to lead your family, and you want it so bad that you cry yourself to sleep at night, and you want it, you want it. And we, in those moments, we, when we've done that for a week, for a month, for two years, for five years, for 20 years, all of a sudden, in the, in the middle of all of that, we forget that God has provided victory. And the same can be applied to so many different situations in our life. We don't forget when we're walking in victory. We forget when we start wondering if the victory is going to come. And so here's what he reminds them of. Now, Joshua's about to leave them. And so he needs to make sure that before he's gone, they're reminded that it is God who has over and over again provided great victory for them. Do you know that sufficient for today is for me to stop and pause when I'm facing some giant in my life and be reminded that God's already provided victory? And so let's just look for just a minute at verses, uh, verse number rather, verse number three. So put your eyes there with me, if you will. As he had called all of these people together, in verse number three, he says, you have seen, he reminds them, you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations before you and because of you, for the Lord your God is he who has fought with you. Now, let me remind you, what he's about to say to them is that there are still some parts of the area that need to be conquered. There's still some areas where the foreigners are, 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 are the people of the, of, the, of the area are still occupying. In other words, they've not been uh, uh, taken ransom. They've not been overcome. There's some places in Canaan land that God has promised and intends for his people to have that they've not yet fought the battle and they've not yet conquered the territory. Does that make sense to you tonight? Now, let me help you to see that sometimes in our lives there's some areas that God intends for us to have, con- uh, to have victories in, and yet we have not yet allowed him to conquer. We have some, let me just call them some little areas of stronghold in our life. And sometimes it's individual sin, sin of commission. Sometimes it's sin of omission, commission of the things that we do, omission of the good things that we do not do. And we find ourselves oftentimes with these strongholds, and we need to pause sometimes and be reminded before we face the battle, we need to be reminded that it is God who's given us the victory already. And so before he can tell them, hey, I'm about to die, there's still some battles to be fought. Now, you've got to think about it from Joshua's perspective. He loves leading the people of God. It's what God has uh, ordained and geared him to do. Uh, he spent time with Moses at the tabernacle. Remember when, when Moses would come and go, Joshua would stay. And he, would, and he spent time in the presence of God, and he's been shaped and formed to lead God's people. But now his time is up. Let me tell you something. Uh, when your time is up, when you get older, it's a little difficult, isn't it? How many of you say amen to that? When you look back and you can't do what you used to could do, and you're, not, you, you know, you're, you're no longer the uh, center stage up front, you're sort of in the background. I thought about this not too long ago at a wedding I was a part of. I watched as a... Uh, as the daddy walked the daughter down the aisle, you know, daddy's, he's, he's, and I watched how, how I watched how granddad was sort of, you know, just came in with somebody, and I watched how great granddad walked in by himself. And now don't be sad. I mean, it was, it was still a beautiful thing, but I thought about something there. I thought about the sort of the progression of things, and that's sort of how things work out, you know, as we live this life. And, and yet, at the same time, every season has benefit and value, and yet Joshua's about to transition. He says, I'm about to be out of here, but I want you guys to still walk in victory. Here's what Joshua's saying. Joshua's saying, these victories you've experienced weren't because of me. Don't you think they need to know that? Who have they been looking at for all this time? Joshua. You know what you and I have a tendency to do? Put our faith in the people that we look at. 
And Joshua's reminding them, hey, 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 hold on, pump the brakes. It wasn't me who gave you these victories. It was God who's directed our steps all the way through. So, so, I'm about to go the way of the elders. I'm about to go the way I'm about to die. But you know this, God will never die, and he'll always be, oh, there's a promise, he'll always be with you. So, number one, God has provided victory. We need to be reminded of that constantly. Why? Because there are challenges that face us every single day. And those challenges can often make us choose the wrong decision. So we need to be grounded in this wonderful truth that God has already provided us these victories. Now, let me move on to number two if I can, all right? Roman number two, write in your notes. Simply three words, stay near to him. Stay near him, all right? Will you write that? Stay near him. Now, this is going to be in verses six and on down through verse number eight. So he says the Lord's going to throw out these enemies for you. He tells them in verse 4 and 5 that God's going to, he's the one who defeated your enemies before, and he's going to keep defeating your enemies as long as you, as long as you stay near him. Watch, watch what he says. Verse number 6, therefore, okay, therefore, be very courageous. Now, I'm going to stop right there. <clears throat> Imagine that you're in the audience, and this mighty man of God who's about to transition into heaven is telling you that there are still some battles ahead. Now, our emotions will be all over the map. We say, man, I really am sort of tired of fighting. You ever get tired of fighting? You ever, you ever get tired of fighting a good fight? Yeah, I think we do. And so I'm certain there were certain portions that said, man, haven't we fought enough? I mean, <laughs> I mean can't, we just, can't we just enjoy the little victories that we have? And God says, no, I wanted you to have the whole land. And they never did occupy all of it. He gave it to them, but they never occupied all. And so as this thing's unfolding, he, he's, he's helping them to see uh, that what they must do in verse number six, you would expect in the audience to hear, okay, therefore, so th there's these victories that God has given you, and you've got some more battles coming ahead of you. So what you would expect him to say in verse number six is sharpen your sword. Practice your battle plan. Eat right. Exercise. Get good rest. Raise up some mighty warriors because there's some fighting to be had, but that's not what he says. And I want you to understand that one of the greatest mistakes we make in walking in victory is that we forget it's not about us, it's all about him. And so we begin to think of our best plan, and we try to worry our way in and plot our way into a victory, and it never works, right? It, it may work for six weeks, it may work for six months, but it will never sustain the victories that we conjure up in our own will and our own minds. And so here's what happens, verse 6, therefore be very courageous. You'd ex you would almost expect, if you're in the group, to hear Joshua say, be very very courageous to pick up your swords and defend your wives and defend your and to take the territory and walk into victory. And you'd expect him to give them a strong child, but he says, therefore, be very courageous to obey God. Wow. The single greatest key to your victory is obedience in your life as you walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's so simple that we begin to ask the question, I can't understand why I keep losing this battle. And the answer is, is that we've not been obedient. Now, someone asked me one time, you know, I can't understand why I'm not getting victory in this because, you know, the Lord said to put it at his feet. I'm trying to put it at his feet. I said, you okay? Well, tell me this. Are you making disciples? And the person said back, no. I said, well, there's an area of disobedience that you can correct. And if you're not willing to correct that area of disobedience, you'll continue to miss out on the power of God that would be in your life and flow in your life if you'll find yourself in obedience. Now, that's almost too simple, isn't it? Somebody just sitting here went, oh, uh, there is a pathway to prosperity, but it's not positive thinking. It's obedience, wholehearted surrender. 
All right, verse 6. Therefore, be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. He's saying keep God's word, the law of God, center and central in the way that you act and the way that you live, because if not, you'll turn to your left or you'll turn to your right. In other words, you'll see something, you'll say, this is how we should go, and you'll see something, you'll say, this is how we should attack, and you'll see something, you'll say, well, we don't really need that territory. We can just kind of stay where we are and let them keep their place, and we'll keep our place. And if you're not careful, if you're not careful, you will again be your own God. Woo. It's kind of right in the face, isn't it? If we're not careful, listen to me now. I'm not talking down to you. I'm talking about myself as well. If I'm not careful, if we're not careful, we will slip back into the throne. We'll ease back into that chair, won't we? And grab a hold of the steering wheel. Doesn't it feel good when you're driving? And we'll put our foot on the gas pedal. Come on, y'all. And we'll tell Jesus, just hang on. I'm only going to keep it for a minute. I just want to see how fast I can go. And boy, do we. Uh, we'll lose control of our attitudes and our affections and our love. I'm telling you, we, we'll, ooh, it's a mess that we can make. So stay near to him. Now, two things I want to say specifically, two areas. Number one, in his word, that's what he just talked about. So how do I stay near to him? First thing he said was in his law, in the law of Moses, in the commands. That was their scripture for the times. Now, our scripture is now incomplete, right? We find in the book of Revelation that our scriptures that we have are complete and total, not to be added to or taken away from. So now you and I have the full complexity, the complete compilation, rather, the compiling of all of the books, all the letters, everything he wanted to say to me and you, he's already said, and he's delivered it to us in our own language. And we have it. And what he's saying is if you want to walk in victory, you still got some battles ahead of you. There's just some areas inside of you that need conquering, some areas in your family that need conquering, some areas in your neighborhood that need conquering, some areas in your schoolhouse, in the place where you work. Everywhere God has given you influence, there's some areas that there needs to be more victory. And what's going to bring it? Staying near to God. How? Number one, in his word. So please don't ever get tired of hearing me say, start your day in the word of God. If you want to guarantee yourself failure, read it about twice a week. Get you, a, get you a little sprinkle of Jesus. Get you a little verse sent to your phone, little, one little verse, and not spend any time at the feet of Jesus. And you'll, you'll set yourself up for guaranteed failure. I've experienced it. I'm certain some of you have experienced it, and I pray that you would hear what I'm, I'm trying to say. All right, so stay near to him. Number one is what? Number two, and write this in your notes there, right? Number two, in verse, it's going to be found in verse eight, in relational priority. In relational priority. In other words, uh, my relationship with him is number one priority. That's how I stay near to him. Do you know that the relationships you work and invest in are the ones that stay the most healthy? Yeah, and so let's just read if we can, all right? Verse number 8. He says in verse 7, unless you go among these nations, uh, these who remain among you, you shall not make mention of their name. Isn't that interesting when he talks about staying near to him in his word? That he goes on to say in verse 7, uh, that you, when, you go among, when you go among these nations, uh, if you're not careful, if you don't stay in the word, you will remain among, uh, that you shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them, nor bow down to them. Uh, and so I want you to understand, he's saying that in the word, it's the word of God that's going to keep me and you from blending into the culture. That's what's going to keep us from blending into the culture. Verse 8, but you shall, here it is, hold fast to the Lord your God. As you have done to this day. So what he's saying is culture, and to them, the nations that are amongst them, around them, that should be conquered are still there, and they have the potential to influence the people of God. Did you know the culture around you has the potential to influence you? The very same way. 
And it is the Word of God. And I'm telling you, it's why the attack on the Word is so strong and so consistent. It's why people try to laugh at it, try to mock it, try to discredit it for all these thousands of years. Because it is the Word of God that permeates my mind and my heart and keeps me from uh, drifting into the same ideas of the culture. And by the way, our culture is pretty sick right now. It always has been. But, you know, the Scripture talks about descending into darkness. We don't get better. We get worse. And you don't have to go very far to see that. People are confused, and, and the confusion that is created is being celebrated. And it's a, it's a terrible thing to see the hurt of humanity, the lost condition of groping in darkness, uh, being made normal and spread to our children. It's, it's unbelievable. And what is the thing that's going to keep us from drifting into that darkness? I'm telling you, it's what Moses told those people. It's the Word of God. I'm trying not to continue to hammer you guys, but that's, I, I want to sort of move on. In relational priority, look in verse 8. He says, you're going to have to hold fast to God. So, in essence, I can't just read this as an exercise. When I meet with him at the table every morning, I don't meet with this as, okay, now I've got to do my Bible reading. Uh, you'll never hear me say, I've got, to get, I've got to do my Bible reading. You don't want to hear me say that. Uh, you'll hear me say, I'm going to spend time with Jesus. Uh, because in my mind, I have to remind myself over and over that I'm not doing an exercise uh, I am sitting down and meeting with my Lord. And by sitting down and meeting with my Lord, he's going to help me not to fall prey to all the temptation that surrounds me <clears throat> and all the temptation that comes from, you ready, from within me. Because the Word of God says that man is, you've not fallen to any temptation except for what is common to man that's already in there. And so help me, help me, Jesus, that be a relational priority, that I hold fast to Jesus, that, that I want to meet with him, that I'm not having to be knocked over the head or browbeaten or, or made to read the word of God, but that I'm holding fast. What it means is it means to make the relationship with him priority number one. Let me ask you a question tonight. How many of you would say that, honest to goodness, now not out loud, this is just between you and the Lord, so please don't answer or say anything out loud. How many of you would say that your relationship with the Lord if you look at the people closest to you, you'd have to say that he really isn't number one. In the amount of time that you invest, talking to him, listening for him. In the time that you spend in the word, listening for him and meeting with him and learning about him. As opposed to the time you spend with your best friend or your coworkers or, you know, some other relationships. They're important. But I think if we're honest, we'd have to say that a lot of days go by. That we don't invest much in that relationship. And then we wonder why we don't, here's the word, the catchphrase, I don't feel him. And quite possibly it's because we're not investing in the relationship because he's promised that he is in fact with us, okay? So stay near to him, how? In his word and in relational priority. Hold fast to him. Keep him number one, okay? Number three, look at there, we've gotten to the end. I told you I was going to be brief. Y'all thought I was joking with you. Number three, write these three words down, love God first. These are some reminders he's giving them. Love God first. So one, the first reminder was, y'all read with me, God has provided victory. Number two, we said what? Stay near to him. Two particular ways. In his word and in relational priority. Hold on to him as number one, okay? Number three, we're calling this three words, love God first, all right? Now, this is going to be verse 9 all the way down to the end, verse number 16, Verse 9 through 16. Can you see Joshua up on the platform? And he's got all these people. I oftentimes wonder how he said it loud enough to get it out, you know, to the people because they didn't have these. And, man, I know that voice must have been tired. Um, but as he's delivering the message, read with me, or I don't want to put your eyes on verse number 9. Uh, he says, For the Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations. 
But as for you, no one has been able to stand against you this day. I'm, I'm, I'm mindful of the New Testament scripture that says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He said, God's been on your side because nobody's been able to defeat you. Verse number 10, one man shall chase a thousand. Now, who could make that happen except God? For the Lord your God is he who fights for you just as he promised. So he's reminding them of the faithfulness of God and what they ought to do. Verse 11, therefore, based on what we just said, based on the fact that God is for you, based on the fact that no one can defeat you if you're walking with him, verse number 11, therefore, take careful heed to yourselves. Take careful heed. Watch over yourself very carefully. How? That you love the Lord your God. That you love God. And you love God first. Now, when I say love God first, that's a little, a little inside joke, if you will. Um, but my, little, my youngest girl, my caboose, who will be a senior, or is, I guess is a senior this coming up year, uh, I have always told her uh, I love you the most. And when she was little bitty, uh, she'd argue with me. She would go to the hospitals with me and things when she was like five and pray with people. And I'd say, I, lo- I love you more. And she'd say, no, no, I love you more. And we'd go back and forth, back and forth. And then finally one day it came to me that I loved her first because she didn't really know me. She was inside her mama's belly. But I loved her while she was still in there, right? And I, so I started, I changed that. I said, I love you first. And she, she said, no, she, she, there was no argument. And so I win. Whenever I say, I love you first, uh, I win. And it's because she didn't know really what love was and how to love as a little baby in the womb. And so I got her on that. Um, but let me say this. Love God first in priority and love God first in, in, in magnitude. Listen, because, because he has given us victory on every side. Both of our great enemies have been defeated. Really, really honest to goodness, what do we have to worry about? Let me just ask you that. What is it that stays on your mind? Why would you give it one more minute of occupancy in your head as you worry about how something works out when, in fact, Jesus has defeated our two great enemies? And so we don't have anything to worry about. We shouldn't be worried. And so he says that we should instead love the Lord our God. As a matter of fact, he fleshes it out a little more in depth when he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Right? So therefore, take heed. Take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God or else. Now, if you don't love God, here's some things that will happen, okay? So in verses 9 and 10, he says, therefore, so I want to attach this, if you will, little number one, love God first. Why? Number one, because he is our victory. That's what he tells them in 9 and 10 is he's your victory, so you ought to love him. Somebody who fights for you, you ought to love them. Uh, somebody who gives their life for you, you ought to love them. Uh, somebody who willingly gave up heaven and came down to earth, you ought to love them. Somebody who knew they were going to be rejected and faced it anyway, you should love them. That I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? S- somebody who, who pours out their blood when they could have chosen something else, you ought to love that person. And there's only been one, and his name is Jesus. I wonder today if you really know him. If, I wonder today if you really love him. You know, you love him for who he is. So, number one, he's our victory. But number two is going to come from verse 13 to 16, okay? So, love God first. Why? Because he's our victory. But number two, love him first because we can be our defeat. Did you know that you and I can be our own defeat? What do you mean by that? Well, remember what he said. Stay near to me uh, by staying near and obeying the the law of Moses. Or for us, it would be the full counsel of his word. Stay near to me by feeding on the word and Loving God relationally and letting the word of God wash over you and bring you to it. Listen, here's a key term you need to hear, loving obedience. There's a big difference between just doing what God says do um, and loving obedience and the motivation to why you do it. If you're doing it to earn favor with God, it's null and void. 
If you're doing it to earn a way into heaven, it's null and void. It's an offense to God. Did you know that if you sell all your stuff to the poor and you go and live on the mission field the rest of your life and you do that in order that you think you might get right with God and be in heaven, that work is an offense to God because it, it, it mocks the cross. The cross is our only means of salvation. But instead, if the motivation for obedience is because he loved me first, because he's defeated my enemies, that kind of loving obedience is what blesses the heart of God. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands, John 14, 15. So understand that love for God is always expressed in the New Testament by the word we hate, and that is obedience. Always. It always is. All right, reading along just a little further. Pick up. This is going to be verses 13 through 16, and we'll be done. Can you believe that? We'll be done, all right? So it depends on how quick you listen. I'm joking with you. I'm joking. Smile a little bit, all right? We can be our defeat. Now, how many of you know before I explain this, you've already experienced that? You've caused defeat in your own life. I have. I've, I've made some terrible decisions and caused some great defeat. Verse 13, know for certain. Here's what he's saying. You can bank on this. Know for certain, what? That the Lord your God, y'all reading, will no longer... Drive out these nations from before you. Know that he won't. Know for certain. Just because he's been good to you when you've obeyed him and walked with him, don't you think for a minute if you go choose other gods and bow down to them that he won't turn you over to them, which they are not, and they are not able, and therefore you'll find yourself unprotected? Huh? Unsatisfied, unsustained, and God said, if you choose that, I'll let you choose that, and you'll be in a very terrible spot. Verse 13, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out the nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps to you and scourges on your sides and thorns in your eyes. Every one of those talks about pain. Every one of those talks about discomfort and displeasure, right? And so he says, those things that I will defeat for you, if you choose to face them on your own or with some other, leaning on some other gods like alcohol, hello, it'll be painful and you won't win. But if you'll stay with me, if you'll stay close to me, that's what he's telling them. Know for certain, you can be your own defeat. You can forfeit the victories that Christ has won for you. So can I. To you, let me read a little further, verse number, into verse 13, until you perish. What? So it wouldn't be enough that it would just be hard? No. If you keep going your own way and you fall to these other gods and you bow down to them until you perish from this good land. Why? Because the good land belongs to God. If you choose the other gods, you get their land. What land do they possess? None. Because they're not gods at all. Wow. Well, that's some heavy dose of truth on Sunday night, isn't it? And he says, you get to choose. You get to choose. And Joshua, you see him up there, an elderly man. He's in the last hours. And he says, I need to remind you of something. Love him first because he's given you great victory on every side. Love him because if you don't, if you don't lovingly walk with him, you'll be your own defeat. You'll cause yourself great trouble. And anguish. Let me read a little further. Verse 14. Behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. What is all the earth? Everybody's going to die. And you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed to all of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. He's, do you see Moses in his, in, his, in his last hours reminding them over and over and over about the faithfulness of God? Don't we need to be reminded of that? He's faithful. Don't worry. He's faithful. Don't be angry. He's faithful. Endure suffering. He's faithful. You don't have to worry about being overly concerned. You don't have to be anxious. Why? He's it's the overarching truth. He's faithful. And the faithfulness is that he is going to be with us. And he's never without power. 
So verse number 14, very clearly put, uh, he says, God's done all these things, not one thing. He has been honorable to you. He's honored you. He's done exactly what he said he would do for you. Uh, in, other words, in other words, he's given us every reason to stay near to him. This is what I can't figure out. Then why are we so doggone prone to wander? Because he has, I, I mean, I identify with that. He's given me every reason. I should never for a second hesitate, but I do. And he's given me every reason not to ever delineate from staying close to him, but sometimes I do. Can anybody, y'all looking at me off? I'm feeling lonely tonight. Y'all thinking about BBS and I'm up here all feeling lonely? Anybody else can say that he's given you every reason you ought to be solid, faithful, rock solid every second of every hour, and yet you find yourself not doing that? Man, I don't, I don't understand it. I really don't understand. Verse 15, therefore, it shall come to pass that all the good things that have done. So he has said what he would do if you stay with him, and he has done it. That's what, that's what Joshua said. God said he would do this if you stayed in loving relationship and obedience to him, and he has done it. And I love what he says. Y'all can testify not one thing he said he would do did he not do. Not one. And they can't say a word because God's obviously done what he said he would do. Then he goes on to say, it shall come to pass that, in all, that just as all the good things have come upon you, which the Lord your God has promised you, so in the same way the Lord will bring upon you. You ready? Everybody excited about this defeat? Uh, he will bring upon you all harmful things. So... If I choose other gods, if I choose to lean on the God of alcohol, if I choose to lean on the God of work and success and, uh, and, and all those things that dishonor God to find peace, okay, to prop me up, to make me strong, uh, what I can guarantee is that he's going to let me face what they can do for me. And you know what they can do for me? Nothing. Nothing. Not a thing. They can't defeat any of my enemies. They can't give me any peace. And so here's what he's trying to help them to see, uh, that you get to choose, and if you'll do stay with him, if you'll stay in a loving relationship with God, then those uh, wonderful, favorable victories will be yours. But if not, he says he'll bring these harmful things. And then, and then I want you to look at the end of verse 15. How long will God do that to them? If they choose other gods, if they renounce him, if they chase after foreign gods, if they do the things that he said not to do, what will happen? How long will he bring the harmful things upon them? Until he's destroyed them from this good land. You, if, you, if you Listen, here's what I want you to understand. God says some people just want the blessing and favor of God but not the relationship, loving relationship with God. And you can't have one without the other. And it's not right, and yet we do it. It's not right for us to long for only the wonderful blessing of the wonderful, perfect land of Canaan in our marriage, in our home, in our single life, in, our, in America, in the world. We just want everything to be perfect. Listen, if, we, if that's our desire, instead of desiring the presence of God in our lives and the na nature and character of Christ in our lives, we've missed it. We've missed it. Very clearly put, he says, if you'll stay with me, I'll bless you and keep defeating your enemies, and it'll be me who does it, not you. But if you turn away from me and chase after other gods, you'll get to experience what they provide, and that's nothing. <clears throat> Let me move on to verse 16. When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and have gone and served other gods and bowed down to them, uh, then the anger of the Lord will turn against you, and you shall perish quickly from the good land which he has given you. Uh, things can turn quickly when you choose other gods. You know that? I do. You choose other gods to try to prop you up and to find peace with. You go get busy in some different things, and it'll turn south on you so fast. If you think buying a camper and camping every weekend is going to bring peace in your life, and that becomes a little god, let me tell you how fast things will go south. 
I could give you about five different names. I would never do that, but I could give you about five different names of about five different families who were walking with God, who were growing close, who were serving the Lord, and they thought that if they had a camper and they could get that camper and they could go camping every weekend and they would have family time and things would be great, and they did that, and of those five, at least three of those are no longer even married. Why? Why is that, Pastor? What, what's the connection? Anytime we lean on something else to be the source of our peace. Now, I'm not, listen to me. Some of y'all are saying, oh, we can't have a camper. Pastor said it's sin if I get a camper. And that's not at all what I said. Get you a camper if you can afford it, right? Use it for the glory of God. That's not at all what I said. But when it becomes the source of where you are every weekend looking for peace, my happy place, what people say, going to my happy place. And everything's about going on the weekends and doing that. And not being the happy place in the morning time, the first hour of the day, at the table somewhere at your house on your property, meeting with Jesus. That's my happy place. That ought to be your happy place. What is your happy place, by the way? What do you lean on? What is the place you have to go to to find peace? I pray it would be somewhere at your house, somewhere close, that when you wake up in the morning, you can find it. And you can get alone at the feet of Jesus, you and him. And he'll bring victory in your life and in your heart. And you'll find it'll be your happy place. Happy, I'm telling you, the sweetest spot I've got in my house, looking out that back uh, glass of the, of the window where I meet at that table with King Jesus every morning, where he loves me and corrects me, but also encourages me. And he highlights the things that he's changed about me. And I write about them sometimes. Sometimes I just meditate on them. Sometimes I'll send a few text messages from that spot of things he's put on my heart to send to someone else. It's the sweetest. It is, in fact, my happy place. But be careful. Be careful to love God First, two things we said in closing. He is our victory, but we can be our own defeat. We can, all, we can be our own defeat, but let's not. Hey, I don't know about you, but when you give me the two options and you put it out there like that, I, I don't know about you guys, but I sort of like winning. Anybody else? Now, winning doesn't mean, uh, stay with me. Winning means I'm becoming more like Jesus. I'm winning. When I'm becoming more like Christ, I'm winning. And so may God be glorified in how you and I hear these reminders as we look upon the horizon and know that there's still some territory out there that the enemy's occupying, whether it be in our own hearts, in our families, in our state, in this world, and that God would remind us the way we're going to experience victories there for us to stay individually close to him. Close to him. That's where our victory's found. So tonight, I want to invite you to bow your head with me for just a moment. Would you do that? For just a moment, I'd like to invite you to bow your head with me, and I want to say this to you, just a couple of things in conclusion first is this. If you are here tonight and you've never invited Jesus to be the Lord of your life, let me say to you that life is so empty and void of meaning and power, there's no purpose to it. And tonight I want you to know <clears throat> that Jesus offers to you purpose and forgiveness and power to come and live on the inside, to deliver from the power of sin in this daily life. So I encourage you today, if you've never been born again, if you would, call on Jesus. Let me say that name again. If you would trust that Jesus died for you on the cross of Calvary and that he rose from the dead, and you'd believe it in such a way that you'd ask Jesus to come, you'd receive him. It's sort of like unlocking the door and saying, come on in, Jesus. Take the position of king and lord in my life. Receive him. Here's what he promised. He'll save you. And you'll be redeemed and forgiven, and you'll not perish. 
You'll have eternal life. You'll have relationship with the Father. You'll have the Holy Spirit. You'll have purpose for living. You'll have a family of believers. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to just simply say this. You can pray that right where you're sitting. Or if you'd like, Gerald's down front. The time to respond for salvation would be right now.